0: Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, the venerable John Riley. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast from the Dixie Line Lumber and Homesetter Studios in San Diego. John, an unbelievable amount of late-breaking stories, tons of controversy. We're going to go a lot of different directions. Great to see you again.
1: Yeah, great to see you as well. And I think our heads are exploding with all this information.
0: We got baseball to talk about, we got the opening of the NFL preseason schedule, we got controversy in soccer and more controversy in the world of golf. Don't go anywhere. Before we get started, John, reminder, everybody who is part of our live stream, how can they join us right at the end of the show with the fans forum.
1: Yeah, so you can get involved. Just type in your question or comment for Hacksaw in the live chat uh, on Facebook or on YouTube. We'll see it here on our screen. We'll get you involved in the fans
0: forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And a reminder, please share, spread the word, tell everybody what we're doing with our podcast, or Thursday podcast, our Monday bonus podcast, and My website, it's all written, it's there every day. I guarantee if you liked what we did on Sports Talk Radio, you'll like what we do. Just go to leehacksawhamilton.com to read that. Give us a thumbs up, and if you want, give us five stars, because we think we're bleeping brilliant. And our (laughs) Thursday podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber, home and center's headquarters. Dixie Line Lumber, fix it, build it, you will enjoy it. Topic one. Oh, my God. The Padres
1: game last night was a disaster. So, Lee, we got to break this down here.
0: Padres have an off day. That means they won't lose, won't disappoint, won't have excuses. Uh, Padres, I think, have one last chance to step up and try to save their season. And it starts tomorrow night in Arizona against a woeful Arizona Diamondbacks team who had its 15 minutes of fame when they got to first place and have gone right down the chute since that point in time. There are so many problems right now as it relates to Padres baseball. Here's the schedule. They got seven games in the next 10 days with Arizona. Arizona at one point was in first place in the National League West, and Arizona since that point in time has bottomed out. All their pitching's gone away, injuries, fatigue, too many young arms, and they've kind of stopped hitting. They're not the same team they were first couple of months of the season. Friars have to batter Arizona. Seven in a row. They need to beat each and every game the Diamondbacks. Because then they get three with first-place Baltimore. Now, they do get three with Miami, but then they go away. And they got got to go to Milwaukee, and they got to go to St. Louis, and they play six on the road where they haven't played real well. Friars are in a one-and-five skid. They've never recovered from what the Dodgers did to them. And now the stuff spilling out of the clubhouse after a 20 minute closed door meeting after the back to back losses in Seattle. And Juan Soto says, We quit as a team. We gave up. This is unacceptable, said Manny Machado. Jake Cronenworth said, We were flat. And of course, the manager in recent weeks has made those statements about motivation, fire, intensity. Dude, we're 110 games into the season. Why are we having this conversation using those phrases about quitting, etc.? It's just really an ugly scene. Fernando Tatis just absolutely looks fatigued. He is in a hole that we've never, ever seen before. Tatis, 7 for 71. Just a shade over 100 in like his last 16 games. Swinging a junk out of the strike zone. He just, he looks tired to me. He's just not getting anything accomplished. Manny Machado, struggling again. 0 0 for 14 stretch. Juan Soto, 4 for 20 black hole. And the guys that A.J. Prello traded for, Garrett Cooper, Heesop Choi, 1 for 17. 1 for 17 since the trades from Pittsburgh and Miami. And Scott Barlow, who came from Kansas City, ERA, 13.50. 13.50. And I'll tell you, I went back and did some checking. We're still offended by how this whole Dodgers series ended. Do you know the Fab Four of the Padres in this Dodgers series, the mm-hmm. four-game series they had? The Fab Four hit 188. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Do you know this season against the Dodgers, mm-hmm. all the games they played, they're 2-8? and eight. Fab Four collective batting average, 228. Unbelievable! The Dodgers Fab Four—you can name any one of those big bats. Started with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. In this series, they hit three twenty-seven to the Padres one eighty-eight. Unbelievable! And for the ten games they've played this season, the Dodgers Fab Four hitting two ninety—just awful. And the other thing—I look back, did some digging around here on the trade deadline transactions. And the Padres gave up Ryan Weathers or gave up on Ryan Weathers and finally moved him to Miami in the Garrett Cooper trade. But they also traded four minor leaguers, including the young left-hander Jackson Wolfe, who had one start in San Diego, mm-hmm. did very well. Do you know the four young players that he dealt away? He gave $1.4 million in bonus money to those four guys, starting with Jackson Wolf and a couple of the others. $1.4 million, and gave up on them to go get guys hitting one for 17 and go get a reliever, 13.50 <laughs> ERA. Money is no object. That's not his money. But it's obvious to me, overpays, sign these guys above the slot after he drafts them or signs the international free agents above the slots. Don't get your return on the investment because you're shipping the guys out in all these different transactions. Mm-hmm. That's $1.4 gone with a snap of the fingers at the trade deadline. And these kids were doing well in the minor leagues. Jackson Wolf had the one really nice start. I don't know, what, what kind of business model is this? Is this the right way to conduct business? I know it's not my money. It's not your money. It's not season ticket holders' money. Well, in kind of a degree, it is. Uh, so you got all that. And then, by the way, you got the letter in the mail. Season ticket prices are going up 10 to 15%. Third year in a row, they had raised them 18%, 20%, now 10 to 15%. Wow. And you can say it's Peter Seidler's money, but in essence, you're paying for Matt yeah. Carpenter's contract. Yeah, it's exactly right. And Drew mm-hmm. contract, mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on. Okay, so I've given you a lot to talk about. The more, more I dug into this, I thought, oh, this is just—this is terrible. So <laughs> your response to another closed clubhouse meeting, your response to what's happened to El Nino and La Salsa and Soto, and what's happened to the newcomers and— Everything else, my I mean, Fab Four versus your Fab Four. Uh, I'm sorry to ruin your day right out of the it's gate. It's just but a
1: train wreck. You watch that game last night, and you know the, the Padres run into bad luck. But they also, like you say, they they look flat. They look fatigued. Um, and I go back to to Manny Machado, and you know whenever he's interviewed in the clubhouse, he has this sort of persona of. Hey, we're pros, we're grinding, we're working every day, we're going to get through this, you know, and it's the same tired line. And I sometimes wonder if that's like removing the urgency from the the team, you know, I'm, I'm granted, maybe behind closed doors. Well, I'm sure it's behind closed doors. It's a different vibe, but it seems like, you know, we're professionals, we're getting paid and we're doing our best, but you know,
0: it's baseball. You're this 50, seems weak. You're fifty five and sixty. You are way back in what is the last throws of trying to qualify for the last wild card spot. It just it's hard to believe that a team with this much talent, these guys making this kind of money, that great gold glove defense, quality starting pitcher, best closer in the game, and you're fifty five and sixty, and the only thing out of your mouth is. We're grinding. Everything's okay. We still got games to play. Schedule's against you right now. And I did not I did not bring up what happened September 1st. You look at the schedule starting in September 1st. Okay. They're not going to win. Not when they're playing who they're playing, starting September 1st. But that's another topic for another day because, geez, we got all this stuff to talk about. A ton.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just want to comment on Preller. That deal, you see, they sent him over to uh, Weathers to Miami and he got lit up, you know, in his first outing. And yeah, he's trading a lot of those prospects, but he keeps replenishing the farm. Now, granted, you know, we talked about how he's given away the farm twice. Now we're working on the third time, but that's kind of his currency on how he makes those deals. So he doesn't have to give up too many of the, let's just say prime talent, if you
0: want to call him prime talent at the MLB level. Well, you can sign anybody, my golden retriever could sign a bunch of kids for the farm system, for overpay all of them. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been his methodology since he came in the front door. Overpays the slot system for draft picks, goes abroad, overpays in the Pacific Rim or in Mexico or in Cuba. And then he trades a whole pile of these guys away. This is his team. His yes, team is. is 55 and 60. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's staggering. But when he signed all
1: these guys and made all these trades to get Machado and Soto, and Musgrove, Darvish. I mean, we were all praising. We were kissing his feet, A.J. Preller. And these guys are just laying a turd. And, you know, they need to find that spark, that energy, that will. Because when, when Soto says, we gave up, and Cronenberg says, we're flat. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very obvious. You can see it when you're watching the game. They,
0: these guys got to turn it around. Uh, well, they can right now. Because they got seven in a row against the team that didn't belong in first place, and it's all kind of caught up to them. Hey, join us on Fans Forum. Just tell us what you think about the state of the Padres mentally, emotionally, physically, and from a leadership standpoint. (laughs) Okay, we go from that. Let's move on to another hot spot in baseball. Yeah, the Yankees, I (laughs) guess. (laughs) There's been a crazy story with Aaron Boone. Boy, I just— these meltdowns are unbelievable. This is this is beyond Bobby Cox, who was an umpire agitator. This is probably equal to Earl Weaver, who every time he came out of the dugout, he was kicking dirt on the umpire's shins and on home play. Aaron Boone is just in total meltdown stage. Now, he's got a team that's got all kinds of problems. I mean, the injury list is utterly ridiculous. Better team on the disabled list than actually on the field. I don't know where... The general manager, Brian Cashman, is right now because he was kind of silent at the trade deadline. Now, they got some young players they've brought up. Maybe there's nothing left in the farm system. They sure paid a lot of money to a lot of guys who got hurt, and they paid some real money uh, to guys that have not contributed at all this season because of injuries. So Boone is going crazy with the home plate umpires. This has been a continuing saga, I'd say, since June. So he just got tossed out of his sixth game in like the last two and a half months. And (laughs) he's been fined and he's been suspended. So he goes haywire over balls and strikes count. He comes out of the dugout, which is an automatic ejection coming out of the dugout to bark about balls and strikes. And he puts on a tantrum that I have not seen since Earl Weaver flipped his hat and was kicking the umpire's shin guards and kicking dirt on the plate. He stands at the batter's box. I don't know if you've seen the video. He stands at the batter's box. And he takes his spikes in his hand and he draws a new line for the batter's box. And then they stand in there going (laughs) right in the umpire's face. And then he turns around, comes back and goes, the ejection salute. Yeah. he's like
1: ejecting the umpire. So he's mocking the umpire with all of his gestures. Big
0: time? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There'll be a letter from the commissioner's office. Uh, Please send your check to Mm -hmm. MLB on Park Avenue, New York. Uh, What an absolute disaster. But they've got so many problems there. You know, they lost Aaron Judge. He's hit one home run since he came off the deal. He had the real significant toe injury when he ran into the fence at Dodger Stadium. Giancarlo Stanton has not really paid back on the investment they made a, a couple of years ago when they got him out of Miami. Uh, D.J. LeMay, who's been chronic alert. I mean, he's one of the top hitters in the American League a year ago. Josh Donaldson is just done. shortstop third baseman's got a chronic calf. Anthony Wizzos go back on the IL. First it was back. Now it's a concussion symptom thing that goes back a couple of months. Uh, Harrison Bader, their center fielder, can't stay on the field. He's got calf injuries, hip injuries, et cetera. Uh, Domingo Germain, who had thrown a no-hitter a couple weeks ago, He's left the club. He's been removed. He's been sent to alcohol rehab. Carlos Rodon, they gave a ton of money to. He's had three different injuries. He's back on the IL. And Frankie Montes, who they traded for from the A's, blew his elbow out. He's in surgery. He's not made enough progress to come back. So, I mean, the Yankees' roster is a mess. The GM is either paralyzed or just does not want to trade any young guys away. And the manager is... He needs psychiatric care and he might get fired. I mean, they're they're struggling to stay above 500. The Yankees above 500. Can you believe that? It's
1: unbelievable. And, you know, it's probably Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge against the world, right? I mean, they're just surrounded by a bunch of other, you know, AAA guys. But, you know, you talk about Aaron Boone and getting ejected. The polls and strikes calls are just terrible. Oh. They're, I mean, I was watching the Padre game last night against the Mariners, and the Mariners pitcher is getting called strikes like three, four inches off the plate. And, you know, the Padres, you're trying to, you know— take pitches, work the count. And you can't do that when the umpire is so erratic. So get me the robo-ump. I want the robo-ump. And I think a lot of this frustration will go away. But in, in Boone's case, I think he's just blowing up because his team is, is stinking up the joint and he just needs to try to
0: create some energy. I got new glasses. Do you think I should send these to the third base ump and the first base ump? I've never seen in recent times so many missed. Was it a swing? Was it a knot? Yeah. And then go back on replay and say, oh, dude, he he broke his wrist. That should be a strike. He keep calling balls. And so what are these guys looking at? Chewing gum, girls in the stands, first base, third base umpire. They keep mistaking, was it a swing or not? And then the replay shows us, upon further review... That guy at third base, that guy first missed the call again.
1: Well, I think the the strategy of batters now is to work that count and to work for walks. Everyone understands the value of on-base percentage. So now these umpires are getting exposed. And, you know, now they're, you know, balls that otherwise would have been swung at are now being taken. I mean, Soto takes so many borderline pitches and he usually gets a break from the ump sometimes. But yeah, the the whole system is breaking down. These umpires, they just don't have... What it takes to call it accurately You've talked about how You know these pitchers Are dashing and darting All over the strike zone It's hard to call a game back there Bring me the robo
0: Okay Then you'll be screaming About the computer (laughs) So that's what's going on In baseball You like baseball Jump on board our fans forum We will get to your questions Your answers Your statements Coming up at the end Of our podcast Let's go from there To the big topic on the table That everybody is talking about My goodness our social media platforms, what we're doing, just exploding about Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-4, yeah. Mountain West. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's unbelievable, the numbers. I mean, we had by the best day ever on YouTube yesterday, just with all this reaction to the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the Big 12, Big 10, everyone's got an opinion.
0: We had 15,000 hits in one day <laughs> on my commentary, his response to the death of the Pac-12, what we call a Black Friday. Yeah. Okay, this is the latest. Let me walk through this. I'll try to read it off my list here correctly. The Pac-12 and the Mountain West, the big question, is there a merger coming to save both leagues? Is there a buyout coming, or are they going to sink and swim? The president of Washington State University, Kirk Schultz, on Wednesday night just went off on the leadership of the Pac-12 conference. Now understand, Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal have been left out there on the street corner because everybody else defected. And those schools, notably Oregon State, Washington State, they're looking at a drop of 40 percent athletic department revenue because the TV contracts are going to evaporate. Mm -hmm. And where are they going to go? So Schultz went public, said what we have just seen is the worst ever situation in the history of college football. He attacked his fellow presidents on the council. These people lack honesty. All they care about now are themselves. He said the PAC 12 presidents caused the demise of the PAC 12 conference by the way they acted. He says these presidents meet only three times a year. It's not enough to exchange data about what's happening at each of our member institutions. He said, do you understand that some of these Pac-12 presidents have virtually no working relationship with their athletic director, who's the CEO of a big piece of real estate on that campus? Kirk Schultz said, I meet with my athletic director and my football and head basketball coach nonstop over a given calendar year. He said, my mandate is to protect this university and my student-athletes. So is Oregon State's. We're going to stay in the Power Five Conference. Then today, Pat Chum, the athletic director at Washington State, he went off. He said a century of Pac-8, 10, and 12 history is now gone because of those people. Those people, USC, UCLA, the presidents, the chancellors, etc." He says, the demise of our conference is because of the conference mismanagement. And he said, the poor leadership has now led us to this overall failure. Really nasty stuff at Washington State, and they're the only ones that have stood up and said, this is horrible. These guys need to be blamed. Uh, Chum also said, we should be no conversation about a new commissioner till we have a new game plan. But he's of the opinion that George Kleofkoff has to be removed Mm. because he knew for a year what was going and he didn't get the deal done. Now, here's a lot of different ideas that are being kicked around. There's a conversation out there, the PAC-4 that are left are evaluating how much money they have in their bank account. And there's a a thought, the PAC-4 pools some of those resources goes to four of the Mountain West teams, Aztecs, Boise, Fresno, and Colorado State, and funds half their buyout to leave the Mountain West. Wow. They give each of those schools 17 mil of the 34 mil the Aztecs would have to pay, get them out, take them to the Pac-4, which then becomes the Pac-8. Then they would go to the American Athletic Conference, AAC, they would go get SMU, and they would go get Rice, which would put them in the Texas TV market. So you bring them in with the San Diego, Southern California TV market, and you operate as a 10-team conference. It's just in theory right now. But, you know, if you're going to give each of those four Mountain West teams $17 million as a help to buy them out, buy out the conference, that's an awful lot of money. What does duty do to your reserve? So that's that's one thing. There's another conversation. Pac-4 just goes to Colorado Springs and meets with the Mountain West commissioner and proposes a merger. You bring your 12 teams from Wyoming and San Jose State all the way up to San Diego State and Boise. Bring them all. Here's the moving vans. Hmm. Bring them to the Pac-4. Take those 12, add those four. 16-team conference. Oh, by the way, make sure the extra baggage, John bring your TV contract with Fox and CBS because that would become part of the deal. Mm. We'd take that bag and we'll go back to those two networks and ask for an upgrade on the TV contract. Mm. And by the way, Apple is out there still on the horizon that if they could get this deal done where they expand the PAC-4 and make it PAC-4 with the Texas schools and the Mountain West schools or just the PAC-4 merging with the Mountain West and run it, it would run under the PAC-4 banner. Colorado State office would close. Apple is out there. Fox and CBS might renegotiate, throw some more money in. Now, is it going to be 30 million, 40 million? No, not at all. But that's that's another thing that's out there. The Mountain West continues to say, well, once there is a decision what's going to happen with Cal Stanford, we want to talk to Oregon State and Washington State about joining us. But I can't see the beavers and cougars stepping down to go from what was a power five to a group of five conference. So that is still out there. And on on top of that, the Big Ten, because you brought this up about 10 days ago, the Big Ten says we are not going to go back and talk to Cal and Stanford. Hmm. Evidently, when the Big Ten knew they had the chance to get Oregon and Washington to come, they went back to Fox Fox kicked in another $150 million in the big TV deal. So it could be the Big Ten adding the Ducks and Huskies. And on top of all that, the, oh, the anger. You can cut through the anger in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> yeah. with a chainsaw. Oregon State and Washington State are now dropping hints. Rivalry game, Apple Cup, Civil War. We're not going to play Oregon and Washington. Oregon State and Washington State are talking about canceling the Civil War game and the Apple Cup game, which are the the end-of-the-season game. I mean, that's their rivalry game. Talking about, they did that to us. We're done with them. So, like I say, there is so much anger, and there's so many things being discussed. Now you know why I have a headache. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Well, you figure that... uh, It's like you know your girlfriend breaks up with you and then goes for the you know the new guy you know and and they're going for all the money. In some ways, you can't blame them, but Washington State and Oregon State had such little leverage in the Pac-12, and they're the ones yeah that are left holding the bag. But yeah, there's got to be a way to merge these two conferences together, and hopefully they do it under the Pac-12 umbrella so you retain the Power Five. But I go back you know, for years, for decades, San Diego State's wanted to be in the Pac-12 forever, and they could never get in. And it was largely because of academics. And the University of California, Berkeley kind of treating San Diego State and the whole state college system as sort of like a little brother. Well, now suddenly Cal and Stanford jumping into bed with San Jose State and Fresno State and San Diego State, the academic community is probably going to have their heads explode if they think that they're on the similar par. But I don't know if they have any other choices right now.
0: It, it's really hard because you're correct. If we drag everybody from the Mountain West in, now we're bringing in a lot of substandard, substandard academic institutions. But see, this whole th- problem was caused by your guys, your presidents in the mm-hmm. Ivy Tower, looking down at everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a mess. My gut feel, I'd, uh, if, if the PAC-4... Has the resources to help the Aztecs in Boise and Fresno and I guess Colorado State would be screwing Air Force. Yeah, but if it have the resources to help them buy out a chunk of their exit fee. Bring them, because then 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 if you got you got four pack four schools, you're bringing four from the Mountain West and you go get the two in Texas, which is probably more about TV sets than anything. Now you got a ten team conference and at least you're competitive it's not as sexy as it was before. No Trojans, no Bruins, no Ducks, no Huskies. Maybe that's the way it's going to work, but it's going to take some time.
1: Well, you know, a lot of these other conferences are not as sexy as they used to be. Like the, um, what is it, the ACC? You know, in football, it's like, what well, they have Florida State, right? But not a whole lot else. Well, Clemson to, oh, Clemson's in there too. the cliff. Yeah, but, you know, and then you know, the the the, um, the Big East, you know, blew up. So, everything is it's, it's all SEC big Tw- big ten and then the big twelve to a lesser degree
0: and then the ACC and the remnants or whatever's left out there from Black Friday
1: yeah and conference USA and it's all blowing up so I think the the idea of these two these uh, presidents of these universities, these ADs, have just got to forget the past. This is a new world. There's more money. There's more NIL. There's more transfer portal going on. There's a lot bigger deals with TV. And all
0: these old traditional you know, paradigms are breaking down. I concur. you got a comment on Fans Forum. Here's your invitation. Message us in the chat box. Let us know what you think about the things that are being discussed right now. From there... We got NFL football.
1: Yeah, it's going to be starting here real quick. And I'm looking forward to seeing all these new quarterbacks and uh, head coaches.
0: You know, a lot of storylines around the National Football League. Let's just kind of run through this. Indianapolis Colts, uh, it's been weird because they've, they've got the contract mess and the injury mess with Jonathan Taylor that's not been solved. Jim Irsay's public stance about money. You add into that Gardner Minshew journeyman quarterback but kind of a gunslinger has refused to give up the starting quarterback job to Anthony Richardson the number one pick out of Florida. AR-15 is going to start in the Colts first preseason game but Minshew is going to play the equal number of snaps that Anthony Richardson plays. It's interesting Indianapolis now desperately needs a running back because Jonathan Taylor's hurt and he's got the contract issue. They brought in Kareem Hunt who's got like over 5,800 all-purpose yards oh, yeah. and 48 touchdowns, ex-Chiefs, ex-Browns, brought him in, did not sign him. Now, I don't know if it's because Hunt is asking for a ton of money or Ursay is trying to devalue the running back position and he only wants to give him the veteran's minimum, but I would have thought he would have been a lock and he could play immediately and help them, and instead he's gone. Arizona. You think you got problems here living in this heat? How about the heat the Cardinals are going to have? Now, there is no Kyler Murray. There is a new coach, obviously, a lot of new staff members, new playbook, and all that. They don't have a starting quarterback. They've gone through all the OTAs and all the spring workouts, and now, a couple of weeks into camp, they got four quarterbacks, and all four are going to play in preseason games. Colt McCoy was supposed to be the backup, but he hasn't set the world on fire. You know, and nobody knows how long Kyler Murray's going to be out. Might be four weeks. Might be six more weeks, are recovering from knee surgery. So you you got the cardinal situation where there are four different guys who are going to run out there at quarterback. Holy cow, that's not good at this late date. Chargers, boy, they're excited on offense. Now they have a setback. Today, at about eleven a.m., they lost Josh Palmer, the big rangy receiver. Tennessee oh, wow. went down. We think it's a knee injury. Made an unbelievable catch in full contact. And got crushed. Now, they have indi- indicated whether it's a torn knee ligament or just a sprain or if there's something else that happened. But that's that's too bad because he had 72 catches last year. averaged like 12 yards per catch. Made a bunch of big plays down the sideline. Now, the Chargers are really excited. They've got a six four receiver that they had on their developmental squad all last year. A kid by the name of John Hightower. And he's had a remarkable camp. He's caught eight touchdown passes. Nice. In, in all the workouts, he's exceeded Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. So keep an eye on him Saturday night uh, in this game. Quentin Johnston, the number one pick, big, tall athlete, kind of looks like Mike Williams, uh, has made some big plays, but he's dropped a bunch of balls. He dropped a bunch of balls last year at, at TCU. Uh, also, there's a huge fight for starting spots in the secondary So if you're watching the Charger-Rams game, JT Woods, Mark Webb, Jossier, Taylor, all fighting to steal a starting job. So that's the latest with the Chargers. Raiders, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He will play uh, this weekend. Uh, The Raiders, intriguing things, though. In the last two weeks, they've really upgraded their secondary. They need defensive help everywhere. Uh, Marcus Peters has come in. I mean, he is physical. He's fast, he plays with attitude, he's a bit of a hothead. He was in Kansas City, played well, went to Baltimore, played well, but they both got rid of him. I think the correct phrase would be high maintenance. <laughs> okay. So he's got 32 career picks. Anyhow, he has come in. He's playing really good cornerback for the Raiders. Second-year cornerback Myron Epps is playing really well. And a guy that really earned his Spurs last year and was in and out of the lineup because of injuries by the name of Nate Hobbs, he's playing well. So we'll watch the Raiders in their preseason games what they do. Uh, Patriots play Thursday night against Houston. They'll play against C.J. Stroud. And this will be the unveiling of the new Patriot offense with their struggling quarterback, Mac Jones, who had a really bad time with assistance last year. And their new coordinator, who's coming back to Belichick's staff, Bill O'Brien, who's a really sharp dude, kind of a weird persona. So we'll see what that linkage is, Mac Jones, with Bill O'Brien. And in Denver, as we all await the debut of all things Sean Payton, I Am the Law, He's had a lot of injuries, and this is really tough because I didn't think get enough players to begin with, but he's lost two of his top receivers. Tim Patrick ruptured Achilles again. K.J. Hamler removed from the roster, a regular heartbeat situation. Left tackle Garrett Bowles is, is not held up. He's coming off knee surgery. They lost their big money right tackle Matt McGlinchey to a knee injury yesterday. Barrett Browning, do everything linebacker had a good season a year ago. Then he got hurt at the end. So Sean Payton's got an awful lot of injuries, and he's just he doesn't have enough players if he can't get all these guys back. Uh, but Russell Wilson looks dynamic. Eric Bieniemy, this is really interesting. Big uproar in the Washington Commanders camp. bien of course, the longtime chiefs coordinator, now the coordinator and assistant head coach uh, in Washington to Ron Rivera. Evidently, players are bitching that bien is so intense that he's in everybody's face every minute of every day. And players went to Ron Rivera, and Rivera told him to leave the office. Would not talk to him. He says, this guy is, quote, coaching you up. Hmm. And he told those players who met individually with him, he has my approval to do what he's doing because look where he was and what he accomplished Mm -hmm. the other place, the other place being Kansas City. And he said, it's your job as a player with the Washington Commanders to become comfortable with what is uncomfortable. That was (laughs) a direct quote. That's a good line. Yeah, that's a. That's what your boss would tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Quit bitching. Go back to work. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what's it's going on there. And one final note. Uh, old timers will remember this name. This guy was a great kicker in the old Pack 8 UCLA. Name was Zenan Andrositian. Went to Canada. Played 13 years in Canada. Toronto, Argonauts. It's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, guy kicked 215 field goals. He was also their punter in the kickoff. He did everything in Canada. He had a 108-yard punt in the CFL. Of course, the fields are 110 yards long. Mm -hmm. 108 yards, nobody's ever come close to it. He just passed away at the age of 76. He was a great, my goodness, great punter and kicker. And he was actually a Kansas City Chief for about two years and elected to go back to the CFL. Played forever up there, made a lot of money, kind of a... A folk hero. So that's that's what's going on in the NFL notebook.
1: Yeah. So it lists uh, the punk god before the more recent yeah. punk god, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, this is intriguing. All these NFL teams, and yeah, it, what a disaster in Phoenix. You know, they're trying to put that thing together after Kingsbury got you know let go, and you know the, they've never been able to have a functional offense with Kyler Murray, but. Let me ask you, Lee, you know, there are a lot of those top quarterbacks. and We've talked a lot about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and a bunch of others. Um, you know, the kid from Kentucky, the kid from
0: TCU. Are, are any of
1: those, do you think, are going to surprise us this year? I mean, who are you looking
0: forward to seeing? Well, the learning curve is right there. C.J. Stroud is starting for Carolina. I'm sorry, for Houston. Bryce Young is starting for Carolina. Both are going to start their preseason games, each one of those preseason games. So now you're going to go through that learning curve with those guys. Will Levis, who sat on the board forever, you talked about the Kentucky quarterback, he's going to play this weekend, probably coming off the bench, but he's going to play like a full half uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Um, It'll be fascinating to see how far along Anthony Richardson is, because I watched a bunch of video of him at Florida. And he is dynamic, and he is big, and he's an athlete, and he's also wildly inconsistent. But Jim Irsay says he's going to have to play. He's going to have to learn. It's probably going to be painful, but he is starting Indianapolis's first game. So it'll be fascinating to see. Interesting story in—I think it's in Washington— Jake Hainer, Fresno State star quarterback, has had a really good camp, oh, wow. which kind of surprises me because he's, to me, he's kind of undersized. Like he's 5'10", hmm. if he's 5'10". But he made all the throws at Fresno, and they blitzed the daylights out of him, and he got battered, and he stayed in there and kept making plays. Hainer has played well. Now, granted, Sam Howell, second-year quarterback, is going to be the guy. And Jacoby Perzette, journeyman quarterback, is going to be number two. But Hayner's going to play in some of these preseason games. So that's where we are. And quit bitching. Just go back to your stall in your computer. Be comfortable with what I'm making you uncomfortable about. Yeah.
1: Well, Ron Rivera made the right move there because he hired the enemy for a reason Sure. and he can't, you know, kind of bend a knee to the players. You know, he's got to be able to be a tough guy there, but you know, this, this preseason is going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing how all these teams go, but I'm really interested to see, I mean, Anthony Richardson, a really dynamic athlete. Oh. So imagine if he could
0: kind of figure it out boy, the Colts could be in for a really nice show. You're an NFL fan. We're getting to halftime. You're an NFL fan? Join us on Fans Forum. You got questions? We're going to have answers for you. We get to halftime. Our Thursday podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. Fix it, build it, and enjoy it. And get summer project savings at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. Power tools, paint, doors, windows, decking, outdoor lighting, patio furniture, and a lot more. And check out the great monthly promotions. Just go to Dixieline.com. Dixieline, nine locations to serve you in San Diego County. Fix it, build it, enjoy it. This is who Dixieline is. And our thanks to Line for joining us here on our Monday and Thursday podcast. We went from talking NFL football... Let's talk about football abroad, John. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> football abroad. I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, the Premier League's get about to get started here. English Premier League starts on Friday. A lot of storylines, new faces, new places. Let's run through some soccer headlines. Anybody going to beat Manchester City after what they did last year? Twenty-two, one, and two. Wow. Uh, We talked about early Holland, Mm -hmm. very early the Norwegian. He had 52 goals last season in his debut season for Manchester City. They add a goal scorer, Joe Vardial from Leipzig, but they lose a couple players, too. Uh, One went to Saudi Arabia. So many people have gone to Saudi Arabia. Manchester City, though, is still the team to beat. I'm intrigued to see what Manchester United is all about, because the Red Devils bring in Mason Mount, Goal scorer, I think he was with Chelsea. They wound up getting from Spain, Rasmus Hojland. They picked up a third young player, Andre Onana. Now, they do have Marcus Rashford amongst others back, Casemiro, etc. Man U's got to make up some ground to chase down Man City, Manchester City trying to win third straight PEPL title. I don't know what's going on with Tottenham Hotspur. This is really strange. I mean, they open this weekend. And Bayern Munich at 8 o'clock this morning, our time, firmed up a $110 million transfer deal to acquire Harry Kane from Hotspur. Oh, wow. Kane, of course, had 32 goals last season. He's on the brink of becoming the greatest scorer of all time in the English Premier League. I don't know if, how, how can Tottenham make a deal the weekend the season starts? And let go their leading scorer, even if it's a big $110 million price tag deal. Um, Is Kane trying to force their hand that they give him the -the state-of-the-art contract to stay in England? Or is he just waiting for a transaction to occur because this is the final year of his contract? It's a real mixed signals. But how could you let this happen? The weekend, the season is about to begin. Now you're going to let this guy go? I find that whole way of doing business really strange with Hotspur. Arsenal, pretty good off season for the Gunners. Arsenal went out and got Declan Rice from West Ham. Goal scorer, got Kai Havertz. Uh, he came from Chelsea as transfers. They're going to be good. They were good last year. They might have been a surprise team last season. Couldn't they close the gap uh, and move up on Manchester City? Liverpool's got the veterans. Mo Salah, Diego Yota. But they also add Alex McAllister. But they seem to be a little bit wafer thin. And I don't know what to make of what's going on in Chelsea. They purged everybody. I mean, we talked about Christian Pulisic going to AC Milan. Uh, Marcus Mount was allowed to transfer to another team within their own league. Who's going to score goals to help? It's like Raheem Sterling against the world there. So that's that's really an intriguing story. But City, boy, City is just loaded and Man U is not what Man U used to be. Now, maybe that's going to change with the additions of the team this year.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm of course, I'm rooting for City. I went to a game there um, in Manchester a couple of years ago with the family, and we had an incredible time. And boy, the energy in that stadium and the songs, and and it was a great time. So I'm on board with City, mostly because my son has been a fan of their team. But isn't it amazing how we're seeing this dynamic sort of movement of money and players and teams in almost every sport, you know, we're talking about the college football, but look at all that action that's going on in the Premier League, people getting lured by these really big contracts to other countries.
0: 19 guys have left to go to Saudi Arabia, 19 guys from the EPL, and they all got bloated, bloated, high-priced contracts. I'll give you a sidebar story, 30 seconds <laughs> uh, about the English Premier League. So I take a vacation to go to England and Scotland. So I'm on this tour cathedrals and castles. It's just so oh, cool. Yeah. So we're on this bus trip, and we go up north of London, and we stop at a hotel to stay the night to continue the, the junket to go to Scotland. We stop in Norwich City, and we're driving in off the, the highway, and there's the hotel, and it's attached to the soccer stadium. I said, wow. So I get settled in. I go down, I walk around the perimeter of the stadium, and I, and then it dawned on me, this is the home of Norwich City, which at that point was in the EPL. Mm-hmm. So I walk in the security office, um, they me. there's nobody else around. It was like Friday at 4.30. I walk in, and the security guard's at the desk, and I introduce myself. I said, I'm from America. I'm a reporter. I've never been inside a English Premier League stadium you think I could take a peek? He says, well, you have to identify yourselves. I, I, out of my bag, I have my Padre Pruska down. <laughs> I showed it to him. I said, I cover Major League Baseball. I work in talk show radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let you in. And he says, just go through this door. There's an elevator. Go in, punch five. It'll take you to the top. So I go in, punch it. Whoop, whoop, doors open. I'm in the BBC booth with all the cameras. Oh, nice. the top of the stadium. Looking down. What a cool experience because the stadium colors are green and gold, which is Norwich City's mm-hmm. colors. And the stadium, it's just beautiful. So I stand there and I took a few pictures. There's nobody in the stadium. I mean, it's just, the place is all locked up. So I come back down. I said, hey, do you think I could walk out on the pitch? <laughs> he said, uh, yeah. So he goes to the front door. He locks the front door because now it's almost five o'clock. He says, follow me. goes out the other side in the security office. Turns on a switch, and it's this long walkway. The locker rooms are on either side, mm-hmm. and they have on the walls the logos in neon lights of every team in the EPL. Nice, twenty of them. It's really cool. So I walk all the way down, and he, and he says, "Here's you're on, on the on the pitch on the field," and it's like the Masters, like the grass of oh, Augusta. Oh, yeah. It's just absolutely. I'm taking all these pictures, so that's that's my cool. English Premier League stadium story. Now, I came back, went to the hotel. Hotel is a mob scene. They have a pub next to the hotel, Mm -hmm. and the pub is full of Chelsea Blue fans because Norwich City was going to play Chelsea Saturday afternoon the next day. So I sat in the back of the pub, and I watched these EPL fans (laughs) sit there, drink beer, sing, you know point at the Norwich City fans, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you talk about rivalries, that was pretty, pretty cool. And Norwich City beat them the next day, which actually stunned me because Norwich City was fighting for its life so they wouldn't get relegated. So that's my English Premier League story. I wish I could have stayed for the game, but I had to go to Edinburgh, Scotland at that point in time. But what a cool experience. You know, and you, you think of the cathedrals in Major League Baseball and the great stadiums that we were mm-hmm. in when I was a voice of the Chargers and we broadcast the NFL and places... This was really different.
1: Well, it fit in with your castles and cathedrals trip. But I, I, I get that vibe every time I'm in a new stadium, a new ballpark. It's like you're walking into a church. You know, it's just you have that aura and you can feel the history. And and you know that even if you're there on an empty day, uh, it's going to be jam-packed, 24 hours, however it is, and there's going to be so much energy in there. So, yeah, visiting stadiums is just a great thing to do, and it's wonderful that you were able to do that while you were traveling abroad.
0: Okay, speaking of soccer, oh, was there controversy other places aside from just Tottenham Hotspur? How about this one? Yeah, so Mbappé back in the news here with Amar. Paris Saint-Germain in France, the elite team. Uh, Mbappé about to become a free agent, does not want to play there anymore. A couple weeks ago, we had the story that uh, Saudi Arabia offered him $332 million in a package transfer deal that would allow him to play for them and then the following year go play uh, for Real Madrid. He turned down the money, did not want to go to Saudi Arabia. Now, this came months after Lionel Messi turned down the money. And instead went to Miami to play for MLS. And if that's not enough, he's told PSG, I'm not going to listen to any contract offers. Either you're going to do a transfer deal that's going to send me to Real Madrid, or I'm going to go on a free transfer and my contract is up. Hmm. So PSG's in hot water. And now they got another problem because the third star wants out, Neymar, South American superstar. He said... Move me. Franchise deal. Otherwise, I walk on a free transfer next summer. So here's this legendary franchise, which has gotten raided, and has got all kinds of money issues with guys who have been offered phenomenal dollars to go to Saudi Arabia and instead of going to other places. So uh, that that's interesting to see because it's a legendary franchise. This is kind of like Real Madrid, FC Barcelona. This is kind of like Manchester United back in the day, and they can't hold on to their players. By the way, Messi... Mm -hmm. one of two things, this old dog can still play or MLS isn't real good. (laughs) Lionel Messi has scored seven goals in his first four games for Inter-Miami. Wow. That's pretty good. So Uh,
1: that's a soccer update. That dude's talented. Um, Yeah, it's interesting, you know, all these guys moving around, you know, the players trying to call their shots, like a lot of the NBA players, you know, when LeBron, you know, hooked up with um, – why am I? Chris Bosch And and uh, who is the other guard there? Wade, um, you know, in Miami. They're trying to assemble these teams. I wonder, are are they are the soccer stars
0: doing that internationally or are they just flat out going for the money? Well, they're going for the money because there is a play fair rule as early. It's AKA salary cap in soccer. But Saudi Arabia then subscribe to a salary cap. And that's why they're offering this unbelievable amount of money for these guys to jump. OK, from soccer. Uh, Slap shots and saves. Let's talk hockey. Yeah, always breaking news here, especially with the Ducks and the Leafs. Yeah, let's talk about what's happened. Most of the free agents are off the board. Now another one has just left. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in a bit of a surprise. they got salary cap problems. Toronto has signed former starting goaltender Martin Jones. He won a ton of games for the Seattle Kraken last year. Former San Jose Shark, former L.A. King. Pretty good goaltender. He goes to the Leafs where he'll probably wind up battling uh, for the starting job not good news for the ducks uh, you know they're in the midst of rebuild they have lost one of their center iceman isaac linderstrom played here for the san diego Gulls for about a year and a half Went up there is pretty competitive scored 16 goals ruptured achilles tendon training in sweden he's going to miss half the season the other interesting story as it relates to the ducks that means the draft pick leo carson from sweden going to get the chance to be a starting center iceman, it's interesting because there was a theory that if he did not make the Ducks as a 19-year-old, they'd let him go back to Sweden. Mm -hmm. But now because of the Lundestrom injury, Pat Verbeek, the general manager, just indicated this week, if Carlson's not ready to play in the NHL at age 19, he's coming here. He's going to play for the San Diego Gulls. Oh, wow. And we're talking about an elite Top of the draft board guy. Oh, right on coming here. This might be the best NHL draft pick that's ever put on a goals jersey. If if he winds up here and if he doesn't make it there, we'll see. But you know, we talked about extensively for the hockey fans. We talked should they have taken Adam Fantilli at number two or take Carlson? Well, they took Carlson because he's a multi position guy. Probably took Carlson, not thinking to have to play play him at center ice. Fantilli went to Columbus. He's going to be on an opening night NHL roster. But how about that? If Carlson's not ready, Carlson wears goals colors opening night in October. That's a real high draft pick. That's a real talent.
1: Yeah, I think uh, goals ownership and general management has got to be fired up about that possibility. They sell a lot more tickets. But, you know, we, we talked about the NFL quarterbacks kind of getting thrown in there like Anthony Richardson. But they're still maybe in their early 20s. I mean, this kid's only 19. Yep. And and, I mean, he probably barely shaves. So it's just, it's intriguing to see if these guys are going to be able to handle that pressure
0: and the physicality in a game. The physicality is the big issue. The wear and tear, because, I mean, these guys, they they play 72 games. NHL's schedule is really tough. The wear and tear factor is huge. But he's a big guy. He's 6'3, 205 right now. And you put him in a weight training program and nutrition, he's going to be much bigger on that frame in, in year two. So we'll keep an eye on that. I wish we didn't have to talk about this, but we have to talk about this. Okay, we're going to talk about Phil Mickelson? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the
1: headline for this. So you got some uh, updates here,
0: Axo? Phil Mickelson has had a long issue with betting on sporting events. Lost a ton of money. Reputation, taken a phenomenal hit. There was a new book that's just about to be released. Uh, it's written... By one of his longtime friends And that becomes the issue Billy Walters Billy Walters is a gambler A very successful sports gambler Who got into a relationship with Phil Mickelson And Mickelson's got quote a gambling addiction Well the quotes in the book That came out Thursday at 12 noon From Billy Walters That Phil Mickelson has wagered One billion dollars Over the course of his entire career Wow As a pro golfer. Wow. That's about a 14-year span that he lost $100 million of his wealth gambling over these many years. Federal records that are encompassed in this book that Billy uh, Walters has put out show that he transferred huge amounts of money to gambling companies, including a $3 million payment to a a better uh, in Detroit. Guy won $96 million in his career, and it's all gone because of his gambling debts. Oh, wow. Um, He, of course, got dragged into insider trading a couple years ago and got caught. Billy Walters gave him insider trader information. Hmm. Phil had to repay over $900,000 of illegal gains. Now, oddly enough, he did not get charged because he turned around and paid it back within two days, but he did not get charged. And, of course— they got $200 million from LIV to go be part of Saudi Arabia. They've indicated that he made more than 7,200 bets in a three-year span. And that he, in one day, he bet 42 times he bets on NFL games, NBA games, baseball games. There's also a report that Phil Mickelson tried to place a $400,000 bet on a Ryder Cup that he played in. Oh, wow. I guess the big issue I have with this, A, he's got a sickness. He's got an ad- addiction, obviously. He says he went through rehab and he no longer bets. Who knows? Big problem I have is PGA had to be aware of some of this. and They let him just continue to play and play and play. Mm-hmm. I mean, PGA has disciplined guys like Dustin Johnson and others for things like domestic abuse or cocaine they had no knowledge that Phil Mickelson had this depth of gambling addiction. That's absolutely—it's a sad story because for the longest period of time, Phil Mickelson was the fans' man. Yeah, for sure. So I'll ask people on Fans Forum, you view, do you view Phil Mickelson differently now just because of all the junk that he did with LIV and all the things that he said and what he just said and now what's just come out in his book, which is going to be released— in the next week or so, and you can you can argue, well, Billy Walters, who's he? They sent his ass to prison for five years for insider trading, but the then President Trump pardoned him. Ah, did no wrong, pardoned him. Hmm. So that's where we are with Phil Mickelson. Thoughts? Everyone loves f- lefty,
1: right? Mm. I mean, it's been like that forever, and it's surprising that he's gotten into this mess. But you know what? I like. Gambling is a pretty serious addiction, and at the same time, it's getting more and more involved in in sports. Like one time, I was out with one of my buddies, and we were up in Tahoe, and he whipped out his phone, and he had like an app that a bookie gave him, and so he could place online bets all throughout the day. I mean, I said that's how Mickelson probably did forty-two bets in one day. But now you can bet on the game as it's in progress, like, you know, in the second or the third quarter of an NBA game, you know, the point spreads change, the odds change, and you can do sort of real-time betting. So this whole thing has become more sophisticated. And if you're walking around with this app on your phone, then yeah, I could see how that would be addictive, just like social media. It's tough.
0: Do you view Phil Mickelson the same now as you did before?
1: Oh, no, no. I mean, he's a different guy, you know, in terms of the brand image that we always had of Phil. Uh, But if he only earned, like roughly speaking, $100 million only, $100 million in his career. But
0: now he's bet over a billion or nearly a billion. And he lost hundred million. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Now, he's got all of his endorsements and his sponsorships, but that's probably why he wound up turning his back on his PGA Tour card to take another payday because he probably got all these money issues. Ah. It's, a, it's a sad commentary. It's a yeah. horribly sad commentary. It is a sickness- You know, I wouldn't condemn him if he had cancer. I guess I can't condemn him for his addiction if he got help and if he's beyond that. But this book, this book is sorted.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like you said, maybe this explains why he went to the LIV and took the money because maybe he had to
0: he had no other options on we go it's time for fans form and before we get started just a reminder if you like what we do on our thursday podcast and the monday bonus podcast we ask you to share the information tell your friends recommend they sample what we're doing because not only due to the podcast we put up vertical presentations on instagram and every other social platform Maybe even the ones on Mars and Saturn and Pluto John, John's got us on. And if you like what we're doing, give us a thumbs up. you like what we're doing, Hey, we'll take a five-star rating. And by the way, check my website. It's all written. It's com. I write on it every day, every night. Johnny's people are stacked up like the planes over LAX trying to land. Wow, we got a lot of people on Fans form. We got a bunch here, and here's a comment
1: from John. He says, shame about the Padres. Those guys are about their bank accounts and not winning.
0: Well, I said jokingly, I got my money. Did you get your money? Hmm. I, where's the fire? Where's the leadership? Where's the accountability? What is this podcast going to be like if we get to the first week of October and they're not in a playoff game? Holy cow. Oh.
1: It's going to be brutal. I mean, the fans are going to just revolt. It's going to be—I mean, we're already so frustrated, you know, as fans. Like, It's like we're taking a beating. It's like mentally punishing every day watching this team.
0: It's it's hard to believe. Silver Slugger bats, Gold Star gloves, Cy Young Award pitching, Rolade's Relief Ace of the Year, and their sub-500 and their six teams in front of them in the wild-card chase. The wild-card chase. So I'm <laughs> talking about first place— Wildcard chase. Okay, on we go. Next question. <laughs> okay,
1: on we go. Let's go here to um, Oktobert. And he says, Biennemi,
0: a Coughlin like coach? Well, he's a firebrand. I mean, he was that way as a player. That, that's what fueled Eric Biennemi. He was a tough guy running back, a demanding running back, a smart dude running back. Uh, I got to know him fairly well uh, when he was with the Chargers, and he was involved in a really bad incident right before the Super Bowl in pregame warm-ups. He got in a fight with one of his own teammates. He was so amped about playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll see. He has not been hired as a head coach. I don't understand why the dots never got connected. He had seven different interviews. Maybe he didn't interview well. Maybe there's a piece of that reputation that precedes him. But, I mean, he's earned his spurs, and Ron Rivera is going to let him have his run to do things differently, and they need to do things differently because the Washington Redskins-turned-commanders haven't been very good for a while.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's a tough thing. the <laughs> to me, I, I always liked him. I mean, he was at Colorado. He played here for the Chargers for, how, was like, in the early 2000s? Yeah, it was in and around the Super Bowl team. Oh, back then in the 90s? Sure, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he he was an interesting running back.
0: He was kind of a smaller frame guy. plug right? guy, tough guy, catch the ball, run the ball, mm-hmm. want to be on the field all the time. He was kind of a role player. In the NFL, he was not the star that he was at CU, but that's who he is. I mean, you talk about throwing on that light switch.
1: Well, That's the and, guy. And I think there's a lot of expectations on him because people see him as the next big
0: NFL coach, bright light, right? Hadn't had the chance yet. We'll see what happens. Maybe he's the heir apparent if Ron Rivera decides to walk away in Washington. On we go, fans for him. Okay, here, let's get another comment here from John. He says, um, as for the Pac-4, if they can buy out the Mountain Four— that would be the best of all worlds. Yeah, it really would. If, but that's a that's an enormous amount of money. So I don't know how you rationalize emptying out the Pack Four bank accounts to pay each school half of their share to get out of the Mountain West. I mean, seventeen mil per school for the four schools. That's what almost seventy million dollars. Now, how do you get that back? Or you 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 know because do all these schools. Are they sexy enough? Do they bring neon lights to the Pac-4? Hmm. I mean, it's not like you're buying the right to have UCLA come join your conference. We're talking about Aztecs, Boise, Fresno, and Colorado states. So, I mean, to pay each of those schools $17 it should be half of the 34 exit fee. Remains to be seen awful lot of moving parts.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, too, because if even if they came up with that money, $17 million for four schools— those schools have to come up with another seventeen million, right? Because it's a thirty-four million exit fee, and I don't know if they have the resources to do that. San I mean, Diego State says they do. Well, they keep saying that they can't afford. You know, they can't they, afford thirty-four. Thirty-four. Yeah. So I, I, the Pac- four is in such a desperate situation. I mean, this is really kind of one of their few angles to retain that Power Five conference. If they don't pull in some of these Mountain West teams, then I think the, the whole thing blows up. And would they ever? Let's just say, hypothetically, the Mountain West teams came in to the Pac-12 or 16, whatever it was, and the NCAA says, you know what? You're no longer a power five. I mean, look at the quality of your athletic departments there.
0: We're just going to now exclude you from the big bowl games. I don't think they'd do that because you still have Cal, you still have Stanford, and you got Oregon State and Washington State, and you're above the minimum. You have to have six to be considered a power five conference, but... um, I think one of the interesting sidebar stories, and it's going to be months down road, you know, there is a formula, as the college football playoffs, John, go to 12 teams, there is a formula of who you consider, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But now with the conferences having been blown apart. Does the formula change? And does it screw the little guy? Does it screw the group of five? Oh, yeah. Or in this case, the group of five that might have its luggage sent to the pack four? That's another arguing point. You've got to keep an eye on that story, but that's, that's probably months, months down the road. Next question. Okay, we got a bunch here in social
1: media that are kind of along the same lines about this college football situation. And um this comment here is from um uh, Antonio on YouTube. He says, "The Pac-4 should just set up conference that that with like re- reg- the relegation system like you know English Champions League soccer. They add all the Mountain West and other good schools and teams, then separate into subdivisions that change each year based on performance." like a league, um, like an A league and a B league and possibly a C league, then you move into
0: the league by winning. This this guy didn't want to say it, but I guess I'll say it. He just wants to relegate Wyoming and San Jose State mm-hmm. and a few of the have-nots. That would never work if you're going to have a TV network partner. You know Who's in our conference? Who are we paying this money to? They might get kicked out. Now, it's a novel idea, but the rest of the world doesn't live in the relegation world. Otherwise, the— Oakland A's and some of these <laughs> really bad teams and other pro sports that we get relegated. It's not a novel idea, but that's not going to work. Well, it just seems like college sports, particularly college football,
1: for the longest time, they didn't have a playoff system. Remember, there was like co-champions and they, the teams that were champions never played each other. And it seems like it was always money. It was always the guy in the back room with a cigar that was in charge of the bowls that ran the show. It's almost corrupt you know and so now i think maybe some of that's
0: breaking down i'm not sure well the spectrum was over here way back in the day Mm -hmm. and now because of all the realignment and the tv contracts and there's so many different networks that want to be part of the players now that it's pinned gone all the way to the other side and it's totally out of control (laughs) i it this might be a short order fix maybe these things some normalcy is going to come back nobody that i know is real happy with the structure of college football right now. It's utter, utter chaos. And like... A week ago, Black Friday, a historical day in college athletics. Let's move on. Who else wants to sound off on social media?
1: Lots of reaction, Lee, this past week over the U.S. women's national team. I got to bring up one of the comments. Let me tell you. Tell me what you think of this. This is from J.K. Cammy. He says, Lee, I'm tired of your Trump bashing and your boy Biden lies, steals, takes bribes and flushes our country down the toilet. I'm no longer a fan and won't follow you. Peace
0: out. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, There's a whole bunch of angles to this whole USA women's national team crisis. One of the things that bothered me, and I guess I should have mentioned it last week, was Team USA should have beaten Portugal, did not nearly lost to Portugal. USA had the chances against a very much more physical Netherlands team did not win that and then obviously had the ton of scoring chances and didn't put it in the back of the net against Sweden I guess one of the things that was I think offended a lot of people is the women on the U.S. national team after all these ties were acting like we won Jeez, you should have lost to Portugal I don't know you should have been jumping for joy and smiling they were jumping for joy and smiling because they were going to go to the knockout round played much better against Sweden, could have won against Sweden, but didn't, did not. And my response was, J.K., I was commenting on Trump's comment and condemnation of Team USA and mocking them and mocking Megan Rapino. We do cover the stories here. Now, whether you buy the opinion, that's on you. But we cover the story. So we had every right to talk about what that guy did to the U.S. team. He offended an awful lot. I wonder if he offended every female athlete across America. It's going to cost him some votes. Now, if you want to get into a political argument, maybe I should be a guest when you have your podcast.
1: Yeah, maybe. That would be good. You're kind of like hacksaw off script here.
0: Yeah. Oh, we really go off script. Uh, At at the end of the day, full disclosure— I don't like either one of these guys that we may have to vote on. Yeah, and I'm
1: in the same boat Um, with you.
0: I'm tired of Joe, and I would never, ever want that man, your man, to lead (laughs) us ever again. And at the end of the day, and the bottom line on this whole discussion, if you have a right to have an opinion about Trump, I have a right to have an opinion anti-Trump. Uh, did we say First Amendment? Yeah, right on. Hey, just email me when you get your own podcast. And I'll be glad to talk politics, if not sports, with you. But on we go. And Team USA, there's going to be changes. The, the longer this goes, I believe there will be a coaching change. I don't think this thing is destitute. I don't think this is face down on the gutter. They've developed so many good young players. Maybe what we should say is, hey, the realistic thing is these other countries have caught up because they got athletes and their funding, and our great athletes— starting from Mia Hamm to Hope Salo through this group here, are all now handing the the baton to the next group. And I think we got collectively a really good group of young players. I mean, they had 11 shots on goal against Sweden, and they hit crossbars and they had shots blocked. The goaltender was phenomenal. So Sweden beat Team USA. It's not the Team USA underachieved. I thought they played really well, and they got a chunk of these girls are going to be coming back. Does so that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. And I think the team is promising going, I mean, really, the next World Cups for both the men and the women. I mean, they could USA could be in a great spot. You know, America first, right? So, <laughs> um, but it is kind of weird how, you know, politics has sort of infected sports. And it's not just in soccer, it's in everything. Um, and it's kind of sad, because back when I was a kid, I mean, they were separate worlds but they're similar. They're both like team sports. They're both tribal politics and sports. But at any rate, you got a lot of pushback. I'll just tell you that on social media.
0: Hey. Thanks for listening. Thank you for following. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, too bad for you. But we're going to continue to talk about the topics on the table. Let's move on. OK, let's move
1: on here. And let's talk a little bit about the Aztecs. And this is from Michael. And he says, um, do you believe Brady Hoke and his coaching staff was re- has recruited from the portal a better grade of talent and charisma than they had last year? Last year at this time, Coach Hoke was bragging up Braxton Burmeister as our quarterback. He was a talentless waste and was a quitter on on the team Towards the end of the season Hope he has not Recruited any players
0: That mirrored Braxton Go Aztecs Well a whole bunch of things I thought Burmeister Would play well Based on what I had seen And I looked at video Of him at Virginia Tech And talked to people Back there He got here he was overwhelmed. He got here, got his brains beat out. He had five different injuries because he had a young offensive line that just was learning on the job, and it was just painful. I didn't like what happened at the end of the season, but then again, I didn't like that Will Haskell uh, was thrown off the team and, in essence, run off by the coaches, but the more you dig – the more you find out that Will Haskell is a real academic issue and Will Haskell didn't want to work well and Will Haskell wound up having to go to a junior college to get his associate degree. He's now at the University of Washington as a walk-on. I blamed Hoke a lot for that whole mess, but I think there's a story behind the story where they just said enough is enough. Uh, Did he recruit well in the portal? I don't think he did. Not this year compared to last year where he got offensive linemen, defensive players they got. I think they got hurt by the NIL because the mm-hmm. guys, the big linemen, they were in on. Somebody else showed up at the last minute and said, "More money," and they're not going to come here and play for two thousand a month because that's all the Aztec Foundation can give them. That's all they can afford, and they go somewhere else. You know, the prime example is is the big right tackle that they had great aspirations for, Josh Simmons, six seven three ten. Now he struggled really badly last year, but he played every snap and. They think he's a prototype tackler guard. And all of a sudden, he got tampered with, and he was out of here. and he wound up at Ohio State. Why? $50,000. Wow. That's what they paid him. So the Aztecs didn't do the portal as well this year because they don't have the money that everybody else is, is throwing out there from the the you know Power Five conferences. That's going to change, I would bet, I would bet a year from today— um, We're going to have a different structure in the NIL because I think Congress and the NCAA are going to come up with a foundation and an infrastructure that will control this thing across the board. And you won't have Ohio State making phone calls in the middle of the night to parents to tamper with kids like Josh Simmons because I swear that's the story behind the story as to why you lose one of your top offensive linemen. So. Big season ahead. We'll see if Jalen Maiden is the real deal under Ryan Lindley's new offense. If you're an Aztec fan, red and black scrimmage Saturday night, Snapdragon Stadium will get a feel a couple of weeks out. They play my alma mater, Ohio U, in the opening game of the season. They got a great schedule. My goodness, have they got a great schedule. Like college football, go see the great schedule. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you might not be happy about the prices. You might not be happy about Brady. You might not be happy about the fact that they've had all these quarterbacks come and go and it's not a position of strength, but they, they are playing UCLA here and then they're playing all the enemy, all the bad guys come here this year, Boise, Fresno, Nevada. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's just a really colorful Home schedule. John? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. In fact, one of my buddies just invited me to the game
1: against, it's the second game of the year. It's Idaho, against State. Idaho State. So he had an extra ticket. He said, hey, let's go. And I'm like, right on. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be great. But this, this whole structure in college sports, there are haves and have nots. And San Diego State's always been in the have not category. It's no wonder they've just so anxiously want to be on the big stage. And they legitimately deserve it. I mean, they're a much better academic and athletic, you know, University than a lot of other programs around America, so it's it's a real
0: shame, and I can't blame for the Aztecs for being aggressive to try to get to that Power Five level. We'll see if it happens. I I think there's got to be some type of blueprint that the Pack Four can execute that will save them and give some opportunities to bring four of the best of the Mountain West in. But you got a thirty-four million dollar check. Somebody's got to write for each of the schools that wants to leave, <laughs> and boy, that. They'd be bitter in Colorado Springs. Oh yeah, and I, I'd feel terrible for Air Force Academy. That is one of the most unique institutions in the country. That and West Point and Annapolis, and they get they get screwed out of this, and they're not part of it. I feel terrible for them. The others, others don't have resources. The others don't have phenomenal traditions. You know, not Nevada, not UNLV, not. I got friends that work at the University of Wyoming, great place, but you know it's it's a scuffle to be who they are where they are in the mountain west they're not going to be part of this this transfer
1: okay we move on okay we move on here's a another comment here about sports media and this one here, this is from uh, John. He says, find myself coming back to Hacksaw <laughs> for analysis of San Diego sports. The new batch of San Diego sports media seems so bandwagon and toxic and zero knowledge of history. Lots of reactionary takes that change on the daily. Thanks for the grounded
0: content with in-depth analysis. You are right. We are blooping brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> now, I enjoy it. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is why I have this history and this reputation. I, I will tell you up front. I really need help with my website. I need help because our followers have tailed off, and I'm not sure why or where, because the amount of information, you don't get this anywhere. You don't get this in your paper. I guarantee you don't get it on anybody else's website, but I need somebody to help me promote LeeHacksawHamilton.com so we can explode that. You, and I don't know how any of this worked. This is all his fault. (laughs) Our numbers on our live stream podcast, on Instagram, every other social platform, John has dragged all of our stuff and put it on. Our numbers are phenomenal. We had fifteen thousand views in less than a week, just on the Pac-12 topic. No, in alone. just one day, one day, one day. Yeah. So just amazing. So, hey, we are who we are. We cover a lot of information. I need some help with my website, but hey, share. Tell all your friends all the different things we're doing. I have an answer
1: for the, uh, to solve the website issue. You need to sell your content to the LA Times. And then you could have, it would be the entire sports section, and they can have their <laughs> magazine puff
0: pieces to surround it. I sent a, a, a tweet out uh, to the LA Times last night. Because here we are, the biggest stories are the Dodgers and obviously Black Friday, Pac-12. And my LA Times has four soccer stories and a boxing story and a feature on Dodger baseball hats. And I understand the new leadership of the LA Times within the last month has changed the structure of their sports page, John. And they want feature writing and in-depth evaluations. They want magazine writing. Well, last I checked, magazines are in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Time, Newsweek, etc. I want game stories, notes columns. I want the standings. I want the statistics. I want the box scores. You want magazine writing? That's no problem. Just reinvent the once famous and proud LA Times Sunday magazine. And you can put anything about sports in it that you want, including the great story that Bill Shaken did about Dodger baseball cap history. (laughs) But at the cost of all the other important stories that you are ignoring, you gotta be kidding me. If I were king, that would not be happening at my newspaper. It's
1: the L.A. Times too. I mean, that's like one of the top three or four newspapers in the nation. Past tense, past tense. So yeah, the world is shifting. Every you know, we're, I think it's a lot more video going on in social media. We're going to streaming. You know, newspapers, magazines, everything is different. But I'm telling you, that's a marriage that's waiting to happen. The LA Times and Hacksaw, you got all that content and it would just blow up. And we can like them pour over all that
0: data like we did back when we were kids. OK, that's that's an email you should send to the sports editor of the LA, <laughs> L.A. Times and make that proposal. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed our Thursday podcast. This thing is blowing up. We're responsible for the content. You're responsible. It's gotten so popular. Hey, We really appreciate what you're doing. And our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Setter Stores. Build it. Fix it. You will enjoy it. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. We'll be back here Monday with bonus coverage. Thanks again for being with us. Uh,
1: Yeah, and by by Monday, I think everything's going to change again with the (laughs) Pac-12.
0: Thanks for being with us, too, on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.